Welcome to our podcast series from the Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory at MIT. I'm Lori Glover, and I'm here today with Alexander Madri, an associate professor here at CSAIL in the Theory of Computation group. His research aims to identify and tackle key algorithmic challenges in today's computing. Welcome, Alexander. Hello, Lori. So your work is described as rethinking machine learning from the perspective of security and robustness. Why are security and robustness important in machine learning? Well, uh, I think that security and robustness are important in anything we do. And now that we want to use machine learning, you know, this is the things we have to think about, right? So, you know, if you want to deploy, like, well, if you want to use machine learning in computer vision and you want to use it for, for instance, you know, self-driving cars, you really start to worry about, okay, if, like, is my solution only working most of the time or is it actually reliable enough, robust enough to be kind of to really trust human life with it, right? So what we discovered, for instance, is that, like, some of our current vision models, you know, if you rotate the image a little bit or you translate it, they might actually to have very brittle, like, they can be very brittle to that. And clearly this is not something you would like to have in your self-driving car. So this is about robustness. About security, yes, again, we know it very well. Whenever there is a system that undermining the system could be beneficial to someone, someone will definitely do it. So for instance, just to give an example with what we have now, is like there are phase detection systems that work very well most of the time, unless actually, you know, you like, you know, someone plays with them, there is like, there is a way to 3D print like funny glasses or just put some paint on your face and suddenly you can manipulate them uh, like in, in a very interesting and very scary way. So again, nothing new, robustness and security is important and one, now that we embrace ML, well, it's time to you know, it's time to address these issues there as well. Great. So, uh, as an example and an illustration, I often see um, the uh, study where there were stop signs yeah. and people had put like um, yeah. tape or something on the stop sign, yeah. and all of a sudden it was like an eighty mile an hour speed yeah. limit sign. Exactly. And your work deals with that. Yes. So essentially, what? Yeah. So this is just another example. Like, there's a lot of very nice demos of like how bad it can be. There is a group of MIT undergrads who 3D printed a turtle that looks like a turtle, but you know, to the classifier, it looks it's identified as a rifle. So yeah, there's all like we can really have all these you know funny games to play with the ML solutions. Well, they are funny un unless we actually use them in the context where like life matters, and, and that's where it stops being funny. So what my work is about is just trying to recognize, like diagnose what are the brittleness inherent in our current version of machine learning systems and how to kind of how to think about how to design a next generation of ML systems that do not have this brittleness or at least for which we understand this brittleness you know a little bit better and we know how to address it. Yeah exactly so we're talking about the, the brittleness of it and one of the biggest challenges for most organizations in implementing machine learning and AI is understanding that black box mm -hmm. and understanding uh, why the machine is, is doing what it's doing. So um, does your work impact on that as well? Sure. So, yeah, I just said, like, so there is a question of exactly of, like, you know, how ML will be adapted by the industry. And, yeah, like, I think, you know, in particular, the two things to address, one of them is that a lot of this eye-catching developments in ML, they are very recent and they are, like, nice demos. They are not yet, like, we don't understand them well enough to really deploy it, like, to even really have any product based on this, something that a company could use. So that's one, but that's the usual thing. There's always a lag between the research and actual adoption. The other thing is exactly as you say, is this like you know, robust and security, but also interpretability issue. Is so in general, we as humans, we can't really work with things we don't understand. It's just both as a like, psychological level, it's also on like practical level. 
and also on the regulatory level, right? So mm -hmm. in particular, you know, just currently, even if you believe your system works, you know, if you want to put into an airplane, well, FAA would like to know what it's doing and like how to even certify that it's not doing something bad. So this is like just, there's tons of examples like that where like yeah, everyone would like to use ML, but they are just not, you know, they just are not ready to, first of all, you know, even, you know, like you would like to have something like databases. It's like with database, you know exactly what it, what functionality it provides, you know what to expect of it, and you also know its failure modes. Nothing of this of this kind is really known for ML yet, so we have to develop that. But yeah, but then, you know, being able like the other thing is that like ML is like we rarely just use tools fully automated mode. It's like usually it's a tool that a human has to use. And then again, like if the human doesn't understand what this tool is doing and how to make sense of what it's doing there is no, not really much route for collaboration. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's really one of the biggest challenges yeah. for widespread adoption of a, at, a, at an enterprise yes. level. Yes, and uh, now how does my work uh, uh, like interfaces with them? Well, again, of course, one of the most direct one is just addresses the you know, robust and security issues. But yeah, about this making sense of like the, like opening up the black box, so there are at least like three ways in which I kind of, like, I kind of try to pursue this question. So the first one is actually, this is the thing that I think is not recognized enough is that, you know, when you say understanding the black box, it means very different things to very to very different people. Mm. Like essentially, mm -hmm. like it's not even clear, like what could be an explanation to me where I kind of understand maybe the inner workings of machine learning models might be very different to you know if you have a I don't know like uh, someone like a soldier in the field they just want to understand you know what what is this model telling them. Mm -hmm. So professors like in the U.S. Army currently like I have a lot of interest in that exactly just like trying to you know how to create ML that can interface well with humans and help them in making decisions as opposed to making decisions for them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so here, you know, so, so this question is like, again, like with a FAA, you know, like FAA, what is the right security guarantee? What it means, like, how do you allow the pilot to understand what this classifier is doing? So essentially, so this question is of like figuring out the right definitions, like what even understanding means, you know, for financial industry, it means something very different, but then, the question is exactly okay. Can we, you know, then you can try to, you know, start to make sense of the existing models. Mm -hmm. So there is like some very nice work on kind of trying to understand this complex model by just understanding how they work locally, like just like essentially like approximate them around the current input you want to query the, the model on. And you know, this is a good point of start, but there is many deficiencies that I'm trying to address. But kind of, I would say the most exciting to me. Uh, way of engaging with this question is actually realizing that maybe if we want explainability or interpretability, we need to actually train different models. Like essentially, it should not be something as an afterthought that you know mm -hmm. I just had the model now I want to make sense of it. It should be something that is a key design goal from the get go. And the way you train the model, the way you deploy the model, already tries to address that. And that's somehow that's some of my work that kind of tries to tries to, you know, tries to do exactly that. And that's great. And that kind of goes to one of the other questions I was thinking about of responsible AI when you talk about fairness and eliminating bias and all of that. That has to do, again, with the model that you've created. Mm -hmm. And um, how, uh, you know, if you were building a model, how, I mean, what kind of, what goes into that? How do you think about when you build a model? Yes, that's a very interesting question. And I will try to, you know, to answer it at the, know a bit more higher level of kind of, 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 of the description so I think so first of all the thing that has to is very important to do is that before you build any model you have to understand the data <laughs> because now all the biases you try to avoid they are in the data they are not really in the model like the, what your model does is it just extracts these biases 
from the data. So you want to understand your data. It's like what is the biases you are afraid of, what type of data you are dealing with, and kind of also what kind of you know, when you talk about robustness or like stability, like what kind of brittleness you are afraid of. It's like for images, maybe you are afraid that some small noise added to the image will kind of, you know, make the, you know, the classifier work, you know, the like in an unpredictable manner. So you want to like first, before you even build any model, you want to write down what it is that you are like, what your data is, what are the aspects of the data that you want to address and how. And then once you develop concrete guarantees and concrete kind of, uh, you know, formal guarantees you would like to achieve, you, you know, you come and, you know, there is some, at this point, still somewhat primitive, but, you know, increasingly better understood methodology. Like, if you tell me what you want, I can tell you how you have to train your model to try to address that. And that's what you do. But then there is also, like, a third thing is you actually really care about this, uh, about this you know, about these properties. There's also a question of, like, if I already trained this model, how can I assure you that it has the guarantees that I told you it has? And mm -hmm. you know, honestly, like it's also important for me because I also want to make sure. And so that comes into this question of verification of models. Essentially, like you know, how do I actually analyze the model? So we have similar notion for for like code that we can want. To, there's a piece of code and we want to understand is this code doing what it's supposed to be doing? Mm -hmm. And there's a very rich field of doing that. So now we are kind of doing the same thing for this for this machine learning models and that's also part of the things that i do so that would be the the third the third level and uh, you know like, like the third stage and at this point you know like that would be kind of all the stages of deployment of a model great yeah and that kind of leads to my next question and when you look through the predictions of what's going to happen in 2019 in artificial intelligence a theme uh, kind of keeps coming up that transparency and interpretability are going to become even more important than accuracy. What do you think about that? Oh, I totally agree. Again, there is honestly like there's actually like first of all there is nothing we can gain from accuracy if it's not does not come with interoperability and transparency because you just can't use it. Like like so there's whole industries like financial industry, which you know they very much would like to use all technology but they just can't because you know it's essentially useless for them because well first of all if you are betting billions of dollars on something you probably would like to understand why you are making this bet <laughs> I because, would like you, to. <laughs> because you, you have to kind of explain to even to your investors and the second thing is the regulatory thing is you have to actually be able to explain to the regulatory body that why did you make this trade why did you make exactly. the decision so you know you can have the best accuracy in the world if you don't have this aspect it's just it's completely inaccessible to like to certain uh, like certain d domain of application so and in some ways, this is even goes even even more. So in some ways, uh, what we discover in our research is that kind of yeah. So we we have this goal of getting like robust, more transparent models, and sometimes indeed these models actually have a worse accuracy than the original models. Mm. And at first we thought this is a bug. That okay, this is like yeah, we are not doing something enough, or this is some trade-off that we ha has to be there. This is like the price we have to pay. What we do discover as we like look a little bit closer is that actually this. Some of this accuracy is a little bit of, uh, you know, of, of fake, like in the sense that it comes just from artificial exploitation of certain, of certain, you know, fluctuations in our data. Th mm -hmm. They are not really like the fact that our model achieves this, uh, is a bit better accuracy. Like if we don't care about robustness and uh, and you know transpa transparency, it's not that the model actually does better decision. Mm -hmm. It just overfits in some ways to the specific task we are evaluating it. So it might be that this accuracy loss is actually not accuracy loss. It's just a, a reflection of the fact that actually we got the, co the underlying concept better. Oh. But yeah, but but definitely currently, like you know, it's. Uh, I think the first thing as, as always, like at first we needed this like proof of concept ML, 
this, this ML that actually gets some accuracy. And that was very important goal uh, up until now, but now we really succeeded. And again, we can still push it further, but we really like the baseline is pretty, pretty good. So now we have to address these other issues of like how to transfer this performance in this like like in this completely controlled environment, in mm -hmm. this kind of you know research environment, to actual you know all these things that happen in the real world, and that's it. That's I think will be the big thing in the in the next coming years uh, okay. regarding ML. So realistically, over the next year, two years, three years, you know, where do you see uh, adoption of, of some of these ML systems? Again, like uh, this, it's a little bit hard to tell because you know, again, we still these things are very much at the research level, and we did don't. I cannot s fully confidently say, oh yeah, we will succeed. Like I think we will succeed, but we did not yet have fully proof of concept uh, kind of implementations of this. But yeah, if this works out, I honestly think that then really like you know, like from people who I, I talk to, yeah, so like the financial industry is definitely w one of them. Like they are extremely interested, like in the transportation, like self-driving cars, they will need that, you know, especially, you know, like for regulatory reasons. And, you know, I even think that the current, uh, you know, the current uh, centers of using ML, like, you know, Facebook, Google, uh, and so on, they also actually will like kind of, you know, adopt back this like second generation of, mm -hmm. of ML, like kind of, because again, there are applications like, you know, essentially ML currently is adopted in all the settings where it's okay to fail from time to time. So if you talk about spam detection, it's okay if sometimes you don't detect spam message, no one, you know, no one dies over it. It's just a little bit annoying, you know. If it's about, you know, recognizing, you know, like doing o OCR, yeah, so if there are some typos, no one really uh, really is worried. Or if this you are using speech recognition for, like, automa automated call center, again, if, if there is a problem understanding, you can always call the operator and everything will be fixed. So, so, so this is where currently ML is used and all these companies really, like, mostly operate at this level. And once we are able to address this, you know, uh, robustness and reliability and transparency, they will actually can expand these techniques to, to like to new domains. So, um, obviously, we talk about machine learning and artificial intelligence is uh, seems to have the answer to everything. But some of your work deals with adversarial AI. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So, yeah, adversarial AI is really like about recognition of this fact that you know, whenever you actually deploy any kind of system in the real world, and the system is in charge of anything that matters, there will be people who will want to you know, undermine it and exploit it. And so essentially like what adversary AI is about is about trying to look through all the solutions we currently have and think of all the possible ways in which it can be undermined. And scaringly enough, once you do that, you, you, like you discover that everything is broken. So you know, the, like starting from just the fact that you, know, that you, uh, you, know, you can train on data that is manipulated because of that, you know, the person who manipulated uh, your model, so your data, can actually take control over your model later on, or over its prediction. So that's you know, already one danger. Then you realize that yeah, these models are brittle, and you can use this like very tiny perturbations, like you know, maybe stickers, maybe some other modification of the of the objects to kind of steer the predictions the way you want, as opposed to whatever it should be. That's another thing. Then there's a lot of kind of dangers where you actually want to deploy the model in the real world and let's say the model was using some private or proprietary data to be trained. And then what you discover is that someone can use the access to your model to reverse engineer some of this data. So essentially, like, so it opens up this like, you know, Pandora, Pandora box of all these problems. And you know, once you identify the problem, you think, okay, how should we go about fixing it? And that's what this adversary AI is mostly about. Well, that's a big challenge. <laughs> yeah, you know, we like to be busy. <laughs> that's good, that's good. 
So, you know, again, kind of in this theme of what uh, the implementation of artificial intelligence machine learning systems in enterprise level industry across the board, one of the other themes that constantly is raised is, you know, machine learning and artificial intelligence are going to do away with jobs. But a theme we've been talking about today is actually the evolution of the human and machine interaction. Uh, where do you kind of see that piece? Yeah, so it's again, as always, there is no like one answer. Like I think it will be true that you know AI will automate certain type of jo uh, jobs, and honestly, I think it's a good thing in the long run. But you know, of course, there are real people behind these jobs, and we have to think about how to you know kind of how to you know, steer them towards other positions that I think will open up because, yeah, so I think there will be things that can be fully automated. But then by having this AI that is more transparent and kind of more cooperative, you will also like, you know, it will just help us do our jobs better and actually will actually allow people like, think about, again, this is a little bit out there, but you know, maybe you don't need a medical degree to be a doctor. Maybe all you need is just this assistant who will essentially just, you know, see the same, like essentially all the knowledge you, ac you acquire like about like the, about the diseases, about you know sicknesses and all the symptoms. Maybe this should be part of the you know an AI system. And what you need to provide is essentially the, cont the human contact. You know the kind of all these other skills that are also very important that kind of you know govern your doctor experience. So this way, people who don't have to go through med school or just full med school to actually to become doctors. So you can imagine by just having this augmentation coming from AI, you can really change the landscape of the field and kind of what jobs are available and who can get them. Mm -hmm. But again, this is all very much up in the air and you know, this is something that yeah, we should still all already think about and I believe Cecil thinks about it quite a bit. Uh, and uh, yeah, but yeah, but I think I still want to be a cautious optimist. Like I think my only worry, my main worry here is that we'll just not make the effort to make sure that the people with like whose uh, whose jobs we displace have an alternative, mm -hmm. but I think if we really view it as a will view it as a one of the core goals here, then I think you know I'm, I'm much less worried about that. So, do you have any kind of final thoughts or words on you know your work and kind of the the core research that you're doing and you know the impact that we hope that we'll be able to see from that in, in this space? Well, you know, what I can say is I am like incredibly excited by what we are doing in the sense that I really think that, you know, especially like both, you know, my research with my group, but also many of my colleagues and actually working together, we can really, again, bring this like, I, as I said, you know, AI to zero or AI that is really ready for humans and you know, interacting with humans. So, you know, my, my dream is definitely to like spend next, you know, five years or something like that to just like build these foundations for this like, you know, AI to zero and I hope this will be like the lasting impact of MIT as a place and somehow we will be the ones who kind of really bring, you know, the solutions, this like proof of concept solutions we have now, this AI one zero to this kind of next level and that I think would be uh, you know, very ex exciting and very, you know, and a very interesting thing to do. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Alexander. It was a pleasure having you. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you.